On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Okay, the sun came up today. As bad as Wednesday's game ended, we're going to close the book on that series against the Pirates. We're going to get ready for the Yankees and prepare for the home stretch. And one thing we're not going to do, we're not going to panic. We're going to keep our composure. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. This is this is hard to be a fan. I know it, man. Like this is Tommy Wirtz, our producers laughing at me through the glass right now, but I I I see the panic. I I truly do. And I understand why a lot of folks are panicking. I'm a naturally patient person. It's a flaw and a blessing. Uh I I see the long game and I see the end result. I don't always see the road to get there. So I see the end result. I see what's happening, right? The Brewers are a game and a half up. And as I've got one eye on uh, Cubs and D-backs right now, D-backs are actually leading that game 3-1 uh, to one, as they're trying to cool down the white-hot Chicago Cubs. Uh, I'm Hopefully that game, I don't think that game will go final by the time I'm done here. This is the, the downside of being live. I'd rather, I wish I could have just recorded this podcast because... Let's after eight o'clock because I know everybody's watching football right now, and I know a lot of you all are listening on the podcast. So it's like, gosh, I, I just wish I could wait for that game to be over so we can sit here and talk about it. But it's three to one right now, Diamondbacks over Cubs in the uh, bottom of the sixth inning, but still a lot of game to happen in the. Uh, the Diamondbacks bullpen has not been great this season, but we'll see what happens out there at Wrigley. So. Let's say the Diamondbacks hold on, and we may or may not know by the end of this game, by the end of this show. Let's say they get the job done. Then you'll be two games up heading into the weekend against the Yankees. You're going to feel a little bit better about that. It's not perfect, and obviously you could flip with the series sweep and things like that. It's You can't think in what-ifs. It's like golf. Okay, I use a lot of golf comparisons on the show. You, you're sensing a theme here? But it's like... If you're thinking, oh man, don't hit in that water, man. Don't hit in the water, man. Ah, hit in the water. What happened? You know? If you're sitting here stressing over something you don't control, right? If you're sitting here stressing, oh, they're going to be down. The Cubs are going to go back and win this game. They're going to lose this game. You're wasting energy. Relax. So, mentally, this is hard. Being a fan is hard. And you're annoyed by the Cubs. You're annoyed by their fans. You're annoyed by that dumb song. It's catchy as hell. But I'm annoyed by that dumb song. And you're annoyed at how many fans show up at the games here in Milwaukee. So I plead to you, don't sell your tickets those last week of the season, no matter what. Don't sell your tickets. Don't be that guy. I know there's going to be a lot of Cubs fans there. But the amount of people that are tweeting to me, I'm selling my tickets, I'm getting rid of my tickets, I'm not going to be there those last week. Go home. Fine. See you later. We don't want you back. Just being real. I'm sick of that. Let's talk about Pittsburgh here real quick. What went wrong? Losing two out of three to the Pirates. In all three games, started by your your three horsemen, if you will. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Burns, on Monday, he hung a few pitches. And kudos to the Pirates. They punished. You know, we we were talking about it on the postgame show on Monday. Corbin missed on three pitches. And all three pitches got crushed. And that was the game. And also, the offense stunk again. And we know that. That happens all the time. 
Another thing. The runners in scoring position. Aside from Tuesday, that awesome fifth inning, aside from Tuesday in the whole series, they went three for 21 with runners in scoring position. Three for 21. That ain't going to get it done. But that tells me, here's the other thing. There's all close games, right? You go three for 21 aside from the big fifth inning when they scored six runs. You make that just six for 21, it's a completely different story. Six for 21 is a 285 average, 286 average. That's fine. Seven for 21 is 333. Now, that's awesome. Cool. I'd be all for that. That's a few more runs right there. It's a whole different story. And lastly, the bullpen. And I'm going to have a whole segment coming up on the bullpen here in just a second. A little worried. Piguero, Piomps. Milner was human for the first time in forever. I was really curious. And if y'all have listened all season long, you know this. I hate being an armchair manager. I trust Craig Council. He knows a lot more about baseball than I do. He has been between the lines. I have not. He has been in the dugout. I have not. I am still confused from Wednesday in the sixth inning Instead of using Hobie Milner against all the lefties, and I understand there were righties ready to pinch it like we saw with Connor Joe. Why not use Hobie there? Now, obviously, he backfired. He gave up a run, which, hang with him. But I, I, I was just, for a guy that lives and dies by the platoon, he didn't even opt for the platoon. You know, if you get beat when you're using your best situation... You know, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe Hobie's down for some reason today. Maybe that's why they didn't go to Hobie here. And obviously, it, it didn't go well with Piguero. I mean, Devin Williams didn't even have to pitch in a game. You know, so, I mean, the, the middle bullpen has suddenly had a rough week. And I, I've got a full-on uh, bullpen segment. But this series alone, Pittsburgh hit 375 against the Brewers' bullpen. Six and two-thirds innings, they gave up 12 hits. And only 11 strikeouts. Now, they're not a strikeout all the time type bullpen. I mean, three of those were by Abner Uribe on Wednesday. But 375 against the Brewers bullpen, that's not good. That's not good at all. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the program. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. 855-616-1620. Save it on your phone. 855-616-1620. Uh, I want to get to this text here as well. Say where you, what's your name, where you're, where you're texting, calling from. Happy to have you on the show here. We're with you till 9 o'clock tonight. Getting a little ahead of things here, but an extension for Contreras is a no-brainer, right? Or at least buying out his arbitration. He has the pedigree as a hitter. He's shown an incredible aptitude to learn and make adjustments. I hope that's the first thing on Matt Arnold's desk this offseason. It's a good question, and uh, I would direct a lot of folks to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Kurt Hogue wrote a great piece on William Contreras today about his offense, what Craig Council thinks about what he's done. He's a franchise player already in year one with the team. Reminder on contracts and things of that nature. Uh, this year, William Contreras will surpass two years of service time. He'll be at two years and 112 days. It is up to interpretation, it's going to be really tight, quite frankly, if he's going to be eligible as a Super 2, meaning he'll be arbitration eligible next year. Super 2 means you just missed the cutoff of being a full year service time. You're in the top, I forget the exact percentage 
of players of service time. You divide that. There's a whole math problem with it. We'll talk about it more in the offseason when I can look up these numbers. But there's a chance he could be super two. It's going to come down very close. In that case, yeah, for a four-year arbitration player, I could see that. And the other thing it does for William is it locks him in in case of injury, in case of something. He's playing a very heavy workload position, right? Buy out his arbitration years, get him for a guaranteed rate. Because then, you know, those last few years of arbitration, if he's on the rate that he's currently on, he's going to be commanding a lot of money, and then we go through this trade cycle again. I don't know if it's going to be the first thing on because he is still arbitration eligible and still very affordable by current standards. It remains to be seen. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. If you've got more questions like that, comments, concerns, calls, whatever you want to say. Up next, we're going to talk about the Yankees real quick. Talk about what's to come this weekend. Give you some broadcast schedules as well. Stay with us. Just getting going here on Brewers Weekly. Watching the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. They're heading to the 7th now. Ian Happ just struck out with the man on 2nd. He was not happy with the check swing call, but that's what happened. So they're in the 7th. Let me pull up the... uh, Let me split screen this real quick. and Pull up the Yankees and Tigers. They're finishing up a 4-game set from Yankee Stadium right now. And uh, that one is the Tigers in front, 6-3. to three. Looks like that is the top of the 8th inning right now. So cool. 8-3, Tigers, I should say. Yeah, top 8. So the Yankees are going to cool off here, hopefully, for a second uh, before the Brewers head into town. But they've been hot. You know, before today... The Yankees, 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They swept the Astros in Houston. That came out of nowhere. And the Astros took all their anger out on the Texas Rangers this week. Holy cow. The AL West is wacky. The Rangers are suddenly out of a playoff spot. What are they going to do? The Blue Jays are in. The Mariners are in. And, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays. They're in control in the American League wild card. Uh, but it currently goes Mariners- and Blue Jays to follow, then the Rangers a game back, Astros leading the AL West, but I digress. Yankees, what are they doing well? They're hitting bombs. Heading into the day, they had 19 homers in those 10 games. That's the fourth most in baseball. They're not hitting. I mean, they got a 226 team batting average. It's homers or busts for them. More than 50% of their runs come via home run. We know that. That's what they do. They got Aaron Judge. They got Giancarlo Stanton healthy together for the first time in a while. And DJ LeMahieu healthy together. Anthony Rizzo is out for the year dealing with concussion issues. That's scary stuff. Wish him nothing but the best. But the the Yankees, it's bomb squad. They've called up the, the baby Yankees. Jason Dominguez, you may have heard of him as the Martian. Because he's from not from this planet. That's why they call him the Martian. Uh, he can hit, man. Uh, he had three homers in his first five games. I believe he's only 20 years old, too. So it makes him the second player ever to have three homers in his first five career games. The other guy, Mickey Mantle. Some good company. So he's up. He's playing well. Uh, they got Peraza. They got. Uh, they still got Torres. They still got Volpe. Volpe's been swinging a bat better lately. Um no more Trevino. He's out for the year with a wrist surgery, so it's Higashioka and Wartvet behind the plate. And the other thing about the Yankees, they got a heck of a bullpen. A really underrated bullpen, which is why the Yankees are so frustrated with the way that the year went that they never really got to show off, you know, one of their prized pieces. They're they're really solid bullpen. 
The rotation this weekend is uh, a lot of fun, too, especially at the end of it. Colin Ray will likely, if everything goes according to plan, make his last start for the Brewers. Now, I'll expand on that. I've got a rotation segment coming up here as well. But Colin Ray likely making his last start tomorrow. He'll be going up against right-hander Luis Severino. Saturday, it'll be Wade Miley against Michael King, who's been recently inserted into the starting rotation, mostly a reliever in his career. In fact, uh, all 34 appearances last year were as a reliever. He made a couple of opens in 2021. Now he's actually given the reins. Uh, They want him to actually start a little bit more, but he's going to throw, looks like, uh, he threw five innings in his last go-around. He threw four in the previous. Let me see how many pitches he threw here. Stand by. Uh, box score. There we go. I'm on fan graphs. I don't normally use fan graphs for box scores. That's why it's all throwing me off. This is great radio, I know. 78 pitches. Okay, so he'll be stretched out. All that for that. Michael King on Saturday against Wade Miley. Sunday, oh, fire me up. Corbin Burns against Garrett Cole. Bet the under. <laughs> That's not betting advice. That's not betting advice. Tommy, you have something to say? I just... Like, hosses. Both yeah. those guys. Yeah. yeah. And Garrett Cole is the AL Cy Young for me. I don't think it's a contest. He's been awesome. Second most war by a active pitcher to not win a Cy Young. Do you know who the most active one is? It would have to be no. It have to be oh, active. You're saying active, active to never to win a not win. Let me chew on that a little bit. Let me yeah. finish this segment. Let me chew it. on that during the break. That's a good little trivia question. Okay, highest active WAR that has never won a Cy Young. Let me think about that. If you know the answer, text it 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. If you're with us and not watching football, much appreciated. Uh, and finally, one last thing on the Yankees. I don't know if you saw Mad Dog today. I watch a lot of MLB Network, for good and for bad. Dude, Mad Dog, Christopher Russo has not watched the Brewers since 1982. I'm dead serious. The takes he was putting today on high heat, and Alana, I'll give you a lot of credit, Alana. You give the Brewers a lot of credit over the years. You know what goes on here. You saw it firsthand in 2018. Alana was talking him down a little bit of just like, dude, this team's good, and Mad Dog walking in. Ah, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna forget how to play at Yankee Stadium. They don't know how to play. They don't know the lights. Out of shut up. They're professional baseball players, Mad Dog. Come on. They play professional baseball outside of New York City. Just go watch some U.S. Open tennis, Mad Dog, and then you'll be happy. I got Coco Golf up right now. Gosh, it's just like when when New York City media does that. I hate being that, oh, they only cares about small market. I, don't, I think that's a bad trope, but this is a perfect example of it. Come on, Mad Dog. Put some respect on the name. Yankees, Brewers, this weekend. Uh, 6.05 tomorrow, 1.05 Saturday, 12.05 Sunday. Uh, so uh, a couple of day games for your weekend. Those are all central times, and uh, looking forward to having some fun with the Bronx Bombers. 
Uh, let's talk about the bullpen, shall we? Let, let's start addressing this. We're also going to make a lineup a little bit later here as well. We're going to talk about the rotation and give you the upcoming schedules here for the Cubs and the Brewers and give you a little playoff picture too. And if you know the trivia question, who has the most war that hasn't won a Cy Young? Active war that hasn't won a Cy Young. Uh, we're going to get that answer coming up out of the break. 855-616-1620. Stay with us. Brewers Weekly. Stay up Okay, I thought about the trivia here for a second. I didn't give it a full thought, so I'm going to do this for the first minute here. Welcome back, Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio with you till the top of the hour. We, In fact, we got Thursday night shows next week and the following week because the Brewers have a day game next Thursday, and then they have uh, another day game the following Thursday, and then that last Thursday is the Packer Thursday night game, so I don't think we're going to have a show that night, but I could be wrong. I don't want to make any promises. Okay, let me think about this. If Garrett Cole has not won a Cy Young and has the most war active, who is better than Garrett Cole active war that has not won a Cy Young? I've got one guest jumped out immediately, but I don't think he's accumulated enough war to be past Garrett Cole, and that was Luis Castillo. It is not Luis Castillo. Okay, let me get let me get two more guesses here. Okay. Do you want a hint after this guess? Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't think he's been in the league long. No, it's not him. No, it's not him. Let me get this guess off real quick. Would it be... I'm just thinking of sheer career Kyle Hendricks? It's not Kyle Hendricks. This pitcher also pitches in the American League East. Also pitches in the American League East. Okay, not a Yankee. Has Sale not won a, a Cy Young? It is Chris Sale, yes, who what? has the most war of a pitcher that never won a Cy Young. And obviously has fallen off a lot. Yeah, lately. he'll never get another chance to win one. But holy yeah. cow, he were, he was runner up runner up in seventeen in his first year in Boston. Wow, man, what a run! Wow, that is some peak stuff. That's he, a lot he was of black a man ink amongst boys. That's a for, lot of black ink <laughs> yeah, right there, man. For a while, there. in case you have never, in case you've heard that term, you've always wondered what that means. Black ink when you're looking at Baseball Reference, black ink means you led your league in a stat, and if it's black and italicized, that means you led all of baseball in that stat. So I mean, I'm just looking at this. I love Baseball Reference. 2013, he finished. Okay, the run starts in 2012. He went 17 and 8 with the White Sox, 305 ERA, 6th in Cy Young. 11 and 14 the next year, same ERA, 307, 5th in Cy Young. Next year, 3rd in Cy Young. And his ERA was 217. He missed a little time due to injury, 26 starts that year. 4th in Cy Young. In fact, he got some MVP votes in 2015. 5th in Cy Young, more MVP votes. That's odd that it went the other direction. Second runner up in 2017. And then fourth in 2018 when they won it all. Corey Kluber won it in 2017. That's a fun little trivia question. Okay, now let's talk about the real stuff here. Let's talk bullpen. No more, no more sunshine and lollipops. The bullpen is on fumes. And I, I saw a lot of folks talking, oh, this is what Craig Council does all the time. His bullpen's always on again. There's two edges to that sword. I don't disagree 
that Craig Council relies on his bullpen a lot. But the numbers tell us that the Brewers actually have the fourth fewest innings out of their bullpen in baseball. So I don't totally buy that argument. And then you can say, well, Dom, he's just leaning on the leverage guys. You're right, but you know why he's leaning on the leverage guys? Because his offense can't score more than four runs a game. So that's the other end of it. It's like the reason why no one really talks about the Braves bullpen, which is, by the way, really freaking good. Rice Iglesias was reliever of the month in August. You need to go back and look at his baseball reference. They got Kirby Yates. They've got some serious stuff that Joe Jimenez, I think, is a stud. The reason why no one talks about the Braves bullpen, because they're never needed. They're never in close games. The Brewers are only in close games. You can't ask you can't ask these gymnasts to just go and do triple axle flip everything every single time off the balance beam. They're going to fall off once in a while if you're having them do the 10 out of 10 difficult tricks every single time. So there's two edges to that. I'm a little you know, I I I look at the other part of it, the reason why you're so worried about the bullpen and that they've been used, it's been really the same bullpen all year long. Aside from Bush and Strezlecki, this bullpen was figured out at the end of April. Right? You knew Devin had the ninth. You knew Piomps was going to factor in at some point. Oh, Tommy Pham just went yard again. 5-1 Diamondbacks, top of the eighth. Huge. All right. Uh, the... You knew Piguero was coming up. You didn't know what you were going to have there. You thought he was going to be middle bullpen. And then Bush gets hurt. And then Strezlecki, you're thinking he's the eighth inning guy, but he's not. Pyomps comes on strong. Okay, he's going to be good. Hobie Milner has been Hobie Milner. He's been a constant all year. Bryce Wilson was huge, especially in April, giving that middle relief for guys that needed that as they were getting stretched out. And then all of a sudden in June, when things started clicking back in the Brewers' direction, it was the bull- it, it, it was a lot of the bullpen. All those close games. I think of that Orioles series. I think of uh, the way they played at home there at the end of June, early July, before that Cubs series. And then especially against the Reds, too, man. They were awesome against the Reds. But it's been the same personnel. So that's been a lot of like getting punched over and over and over again of trying to deal with it. But I got a couple numbers here on Piguero and Piomps that indicates fatigue for one on Piomps. Or excuse me, on Piguero. Piguero... You're not going to see much no days rest now. Maybe you'll see it down the stretch, but the numbers indicate maybe he's a guy that needs a breather here down the stretch because in his first 10 games when he appeared on back-to-backs, right, no days rest, first 10 games that he appeared, nine and two-thirds innings didn't allow a run. Okay. His last five games that he's appeared on no days rest, it's only three and two-thirds innings, but he's allowed eight runs. So there's one thing you can do. Give Piguero some rest. Another thing you can do. Figure out Yoel Piomps' slider. It's starting to hang a little bit more, right? He didn't allow a homer all season until August on the slider, and he gave up two in the span of a week. He only gave up four hits all August on the slider. Two of them were homers. But the thing that worries me is not so much the hits, it's the contact. It's a pitch meant to be swung and missed at. His strikeout rate in August, or excuse me, in July, on the slider was 47%. That dropped in half 
in August, 24%. So either A, opponents are seeing it better, B, he's hanging it, or C, opponents are just ready for it. So you're falling into a pattern, and you need to figure out how to get out of that rut. The velo and everything the spin, everything looks similar. And, you know, if you want to say velo, everyone's hanging at this time of year. But I look at Piops' slider is going to be the key figuring out. I'm not saying throw it more. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying use it effectively and see what happens for him. He's going to be the eighth inning guy. And thank goodness for Abner Uribe. And I know you had that one bad one against the Padres, but he's been nails ever since. He can fill in for Peguero on a day. Milner can fill in for Peguero on a day. But also, I'm going to be real, and we're talking about the rotation in the next segment. I'm looking at Corbin. I'm looking at Woody. Hey, guys. I'm going to need seven out of you tonight. You know? I, 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 it's hard. Arms are hurting this time of year. I know. And if that means you're sacrificing a few strikeouts, I'm all for it. Let's get seven. I mean, Woodruff getting seven on... Tuesday was huge for the bullpen, not because, I mean, obviously the game was in hand, but Clayton Andrews didn't work out for him. But it led to the next day, right? They needed to bring in Piguero. Piguero's not an effective on Wednesday because he was on no day's rest. So let's try to make sure that you get to the finish line here with the bullpen. Rotation segment, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's coming up next on WTMJ. This uh, Coco Golf match is really good. She's trying to fight off of a service match here. I don't want to say it. Lukova? Is that how you say her opponent's name? She's from the Czech Republic, so I, I don't want to disrespect. But uh, Coco won the first set, 6-4. She's leading the second set, 5-4. So no one has an advantage yet. And she's down 30, love. Second serve... Oh, good deep backhand there. Drop shot forward from Mukova. Tries to lengthen her out. Oh, the, oh, oh! it's still in. I love high-level tennis, man. Oh, Coco won it. Nice. Did you play? I played a little bit. I know I, I was more of a golf kid, but there's an overlap there, you know? Sorry, three, I three years in high school, myself. No kidding. Yeah. My, si- my sister good. was really good at it. I'm a pickleball guy now. Oh, it's great. Me and Vetrano, we're a dream team. Just saying. I could totally see Vince just loving pickleball. Now, he's great at tennis. Yeah. yeah. But he's really good at pickleball, too. Uh, i got to leave a note for him for here tomorrow. But the... Yeah, so Coco won that point, but whatever. Uh, let me talk about the rotation here. Got about 20 minutes left on the show. The Brewers made a decision this week that... They're going to use every fifth day, or excuse me, every fifth game as opposed to every fifth day. What does that mean? That means, you know, with the off day today, in theory, you could use Corbin Burns on Saturday, which would be his fifth day. Normal rest. But the Brewers are about to embark starting tomorrow, 17 games in a row. This is where I wonder if the Brewers are up to something. Because as of now, with Corbin going on Sunday, let's assume, because he's the front of the rotation, obviously, you go Ray, Miley, Corbin. 
Let's assume Corbin goes every fifth game for the rest of the year. Now, of course, 17 in a row, there's not going to be any variance there. The problem is his penultimate start of the year would fall after the off day. That last off day of the year. The 26th at home against the Cardinals. The reason why that's a problem is he would be lined up to start game 162, which is fine. I I love that. I, I want that 100%. But as it stands right now, the Brewers would not have Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta pitch against the Cubs in that final weekend. As of now, Corbin would get game 162. Wade would get game 161. And Adrian Hauser would get game 160. To be seen. This is where I think they might be up to something. What if you go with a six-man rotation? And a few folks have asked me about this. If you go with a six-man rotation, I'm just going to read it out for you here on the radio. Stay with me. So after Corbin starts on Sunday against the Yankees, you would assume with Adrian Hauser coming back, he threw a bullpen over the week in Pittsburgh. All signs are go from that. We'll get another update tomorrow from Craig Council. They are not going to send him on a rehab start. He is eligible to come off the IL on the 13th. And that would be his next day to start. So here's my point. Here's my thinking here. Corbin starts Sunday. Woodruff starts Monday against the Marlins. Freddie starts Tuesday against the Marlins. Hauser, give him an extra day. Have Ray start that day on the 13th. Hauser on the 14th. Then you then you get uh, Washington on Friday. Corbin again. That's still his uh, fifth day. Okay, so that's, that's A-OK. Then you go... Or excuse me, his sixth day. It would be an extra day of rest for Corbin. But if you have him start on the 15th and you stick with the six-man rotation until that off day, you'd go Corbin on the 15th, one, two, three, four, five, six, on the 21st, which would be against the... Would that be the Marlins? No, it would be the Cardinals. The day game in St. Louis on the 21st. One, two, three, four, five, six. You could have him start the 27th against the Cardinals on normal rest and then be eligible for a few innings on the 1st. Or you can have him start on the 28th on normal rest and not have him at all for that Cubs series. But that would mean you'd have Woodruff on Friday and Peralta on Saturday. I don't think the Brewers are going to do that. I'm just throwing it out there because you're also counting on effectiveness from Colin Ray. I see what the Brewers are going for here, and I wonder if someone's going to step forward and say, I'll go on short rest. I'm not going to ask anybody to do that. And quite frankly, I know CC did what he did in 2008. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. And this isn't a Brewers thing. This, This is a baseball thing. It is so risky to do what he did nowadays with what pitches are paid. But... It would be cool. Stuff of legends, right? So I just want to kind of get that out there. That as it stands right now, you're going to rely on Corbin Burns on 162. And then Hauser for game 160 and Miley for game 161. I don't hate it. But 
It just means you don't have Woodruff or Peralta. But what you would hope, though, obviously, is that they get the job done during that St. Louis series. You don't even have to worry about that Cup series. I digress. That's a little rotation preview. Let's talk a little lineup. Let's address the elephant in the room with Christian Yelich. That's coming up next here on Brews Weekly. I'm just going to let, I always let Blue World ride. You know that, Tommy. Tommy Wirtz, our producer, on the ones and twos. It's a great song. Great song. Disclosure produced it. Big disclosure guy. Uh, It's actually his anniversary of his death. It is. And Kesson here is walk-up. Somebody on the Pirates was using it this week. There's a couple guys used Mac Miller for obvious reasons out in Pittsburgh. I want to say it was Jason DeLay. It's a great walk-up. Brewers Weekly, I'm Dom Catronio. Talk a little offense here. You brought up Keston Hira. Let's just end this conversation real quick. He's not coming up, guys. He's not. Stop tweeting me when he's coming up. And I know I said, oh, let's give Rowdy a chance. Santana's not coming out of this lineup right now. He's not. Mark Hanna's not coming out of this lineup right now. He's. he's it's just, I, I don't see where Keston's going to play. So... If your friend continues to say, why don't we bring up Keston? They're not going to. We can have this conversation in the offseason. It's not happening. Unless an injury happens, it's not happening. It, it would have happened by now if it was going to happen. So let's talk about the lineup here. Let's talk about Christian Yelich. Yelly, the numbers. Since August 1st, last, last 32 games, just a 224 batting average, only a 329 on base, which isn't terrible, but it's not Yelly standard. 296 slugging. Now, I'm not saying he has to hit homers all the time, but no, the doubles have disappeared. It's only a 625 OPS. He's got 39 strikeouts in those 32 games and only 20 walks. So that's a little bit his swing decisions. I look at what he's doing against breaking balls. It looks exactly like his April against breaking balls. So that's a little troubling. Chase, swing and miss, not a lot of contact. That's something to figure out with Yelly. But Dom, would you leave him in the leadoff spot? Absolutely, I would. He puts pressure on the lineup instantly. He puts pressure on the opposing team instantly. He gets on base, he's always a threat for a steal. He's probably not going to get to 30 steals like we had hoped at the start of the year. But his base running ability... The way that he's able to draw attention, he's absolutely still at the top of my lineup. But I tweeted this on Tuesday. When they moved Sal Freelich out of the cleanup spot, the offense opened up in the middle of that order. And it's not a knock on Sal. I love his approach. I think he's going to be a very good big leaguer. League starting to figure him out a little bit, throwing him a lot more breaking balls, catching him fooled, making him swing at pitches he doesn't want to swing at. But they're strikes, they're pitchers' pitches. Why is Sal still hitting cleanup? And again, I know I said earlier, I don't want to be armchair manager, and I hate doing this. But I'm just asking, why is Sal hitting cleanup? I understand it's for the contact and for the tough at bat and that he can draw walks. It hasn't happened in the cleanup spot. The numbers prove it. For Sal, in 93 plate appearances in the cleanup spot, He's got a 218 batting average of 679 OPS. He's got more strikeouts than walks in the cleanup spot. 16 strikeouts, 13 walks. And I know he had the hammy. 
He's back from that. He told me 10 out of 10, I'm good to go. I'm going to believe him when he says that. But when he bats anywhere else in the lineup, 42 plate appearances, so it's about half, being fair on the sample sizes, he's hitting 313. So that's 100 points better virtually anywhere else. His OPS rises to 960, despite the fact that he's got more homers. Two of his three homers have come out of the cleanup spot. So that's not skewed by home run ball. He's got more walks than strikeouts anywhere else. I think it eases the pressure on Sal, and it actually lengthens the lineup better than Mark Canna batting sixth. I'd put Canna in a cleanup spot, not because he's a power hitter, but because he's what they hope Sal is doing in getting on base and keeping pressure on. Okay, Santana is your power. He also helps protect Willie Adamas, right? You're not going to... If you put Canna... In the cleanup spot, I know you got back-to-back righties there, and, and Craig Council doesn't like to do that. But you put Cannon in the cleanup spot, guaranteed good at bat. You put pressure, and then pressure creates mistakes, and Willie can hit mistakes, like we saw in the first inning on Wednesday. And it wasn't really that bad of a pitch, but you continued pressure, and boom, something good happened. And then if you put Sal in the sixth spot, that's the same thought. It protects Willie. Willie will have more pitches to hit in that theory. Mark Canna, by the way, and as I'll wrap up the segment on this, since he joined the Brewers, 305 hitter, 393 on base. That is exactly what they needed. 122 plate appearances, nearly a 3-4 player. That is exactly what they needed. Kudos to Matt Arnold and the team for bringing him in, and kudos to the hitting staff to unlocking something. But I would put him clean up and put Sal in the sixth spot. I think that really lengthens things for the crew. All right, let's wrap up with the schedule. Cubs and Brewers, that's up next on Brewers Weekly. Minute left here on the show. By the way, score update. Diamondbacks leading the Cubs 6-1. to one. So if you're listening to this, it's top of the ninth inning there because that game's not going to be final by the time we hit get off the air. You're going to be like, oh my God, what just happened in the bottom of the ninth? I hope that doesn't happen. But Diamondbacks looking like they're going to be in front, which will put the Brewers two games up heading into Yankee Stadium. Here are the remaining series for the Cubs. These four starting tonight against the Cubs, or excuse me, against the Diamondbacks. They go out west. They get the Rockies and the D-backs. Then they come back home for Pittsburgh and Colorado. And then they hit the road for their final trip, Atlanta and Milwaukee. Now, you know what you're thinking. Well, Atlanta's already going to have it bottled up, Dom. That might be the last chance for their pitchers to start. They're going to throw their guys. They need to get them work because they're going to have a week off. Brewers upcoming after the Yankees. Home for the Marlins and the Nationals, who both have been playing well. Road for the Cardinals and Marlins. Home for the Cardinals and Cubs. It's going to be fun. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio. Hope you follow me all, all year long. We got Brewers extra innings after the game tomorrow. For Tommy Wirtz, our producer, keep on swinging.